Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, or in other words, people with a planetary purpose. My name is Julian Gudelai, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Bo Milliken. Bo is an engineering-minded entrepreneur who is driven by impact and uses business as the conduit to change the world for the better. East Africa's energy crisis requires a scalable solution that can be implemented now. And that's what they have focused on with Kijani Forestry. Uganda sees 500,000 acres deforested every year with the majority of it going to the charcoal industry, which is an industry riddled with waste and inefficiencies and is ripe for disruption. By implementing cost-effective efficient kiln technology, they are able to increase yields by four times of the traditional meanings, traditional methods. And that one quarter of the trees are needed for the same amount of charcoal. Also, they designed a nursery hub model that empowers local communities to be trained in agroforestry, planting of biodiverse tree species on a large scale, helping grow the future supply of Uganda's energy. Uh, Kijani is a for-profit social enterprise looking to expand the big impact through profitable business model while reversing the trend of deforesting East Africa through sustainable jobs and disrupting an industry that's been, yeah, massively um, harming the environment. So, Bo, with those words, I, I want to welcome you to the show. Hey, thank you so much. It's uh, it's an honor to be on here with the, uh, you know, a slew of other um, really awesome humans. So I feel honored to be on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's 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 jump in into in into your your creation there with Kijani Forest. Um, you know, um, forestry, I, I think the, the world has been talking about planting trees and about deforestation in the last year or two, probably more than ever before with, you know, Siberian fire, the Amazon fire, large parts of the world being deforested without it being top, top news. Um, yeah, I feel like you're more an expert on the topic than me. So why don't you just, just jump in and, and tell us where your passion is there and, and some of the know-how that people might not be aware of. Yeah, sure. Um, expert is a generous term, but uh, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, yeah, so I, I have a pretty extensive experience in East Africa and uh, in my time here, um, which mostly has been in Uganda for the last seven years or so, um, have visibly seen you know deforestation happening and every day see massive charcoal trucks that are being sent to the capital. And um, you know that's where the large majority of um, charcoal consumption is and yeah because of that there's massive deforestation going on and um, you know we identified this as a problem a while ago and not that we're the first pe people to see the problem but um, trying to think of some sort of solution of a way that we could do something to solve it um, I wouldn't say that we're there yet but we're I think we're on the right track um, you really can't blame people for the charcoal problem. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people demonize the industry and say, you know, want to point fingers at people, but truly this is how people survive. People cook their foods, they boil the water um, using charcoal. And so, um, so truly it's a commodity that's necessary for life. And so really, I don't think the solution right now is to switch away from it, but how can we do it a lot better? And, um, and there are countries that have modeled, you know, replanting efforts a lot better than East Africa has managed. And so, um, and so our, you know, our, our business model centers around a couple of things, like you mentioned, making charcoal more efficiently and then planting a lot of trees that can be used for charcoal in the future. 
And so we're really excited about the combination of the two and how it can be a sustainable forest, a sustainable industry that is replacing other forests from being um, cut down and turned into charcoal. Um, and so if we can create, you know, tomorrow's supply of uh, fuel, then we can save the forest in Uganda and East Africa. Yeah, that's fascinating. Why don't you backtrack a little bit and tell us your story with Uganda? Because I feel like um, you've been there for seven, eight years, right? So there's this clearly like a route that brought you there. And then like a reason why um, that part of Africa is is so yeah, dear to your heart and like how, what keeps you there too, you know? Yeah, um, I would say, and I think a lot of people feel the same way that life is not linear. And so my path to where I am is... Uh, very disconnected from my background. So my background is actually in uh, chemical engineering, which I studied that because I wanted to get into sustainable energy. Um, but what took me to Uganda is that I was at the time, um, I was going to be double majoring in education and then, you know, didn't end up working out, but I really wanted to kind of see if I wanted to educate the students instead. Um, and that ended up taking me to Uganda. Um, I had this opportunity to help out with the school, not teaching, but um, overseeing finances and running their construction. And so I, um, you know, was, I learned a lot in that experience. And in that experience, I uh, eventually, you know, fast forward three years, uh, turned that construction project into a company, um, which entrepreneurship was never my goal. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have studied chemical engineering. Um, but yeah, so that, that was kind of the start of the entrepreneur journey for me. Um, and that led into a couple or one other business. We um, filter and distribute water at half the cost of what people do locally. And we're doing that in a joint venture with another company. And, you know, that one thing led to another. And um, in my time here, we've, as I mentioned, have seen the deforestation happening. Um, and from the business side, we've seen charcoal prices, you know, triple in the last six years. Um, and so you're kind of looking at, okay, what's, what's causing this? If the, is the demand going up? Is the supply going down? And seeing that it's a mixture of both that kind of spurred us to like really start thinking about what can we, what can we do to, um, you know, leverage, you know, this business position to do a lot of good um, in this country and in this industry. And so, um, without boring you with a lot of details, that's essentially how we started off on this um, business model. And it's really grown uh, tremendously this whole year. I looked back on a pitch deck we did last December and I just laughed when I opened it because our models expanded so much. And there's been so many different opportunities that have come to us that, um, yeah, truly are exciting. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think kind of like you said, like we're at this cultural moment where people are recognizing the importance of trees and not just tree huggers that are um, you know out of touch with reality but brilliant scientists that are recognizing that trees have way more importance than you know looking nice than you know even sequestering carbon that's just part of what they're doing um, they're replenishing aquifers they're uh, maintaining natural rainfall patterns all these different things and so um, yeah so to be in that space where we want to be preserving forest, you know, and doing that by, um, you know, creating a, a product that's already being used, you know, widely and not trying to change human behavior and just saying, okay, this is the reality of where we're at. We would love if everyone was doing natural gas, but until that's the reality, let's do charcoal a lot better. Um, 
And so, yeah, and this is an interesting part about your 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 journey right now, and also like Kijani Forestry is, of course, when we think of innovation, a lot of us usually take our minds right straight to the futuristic solution that like makes everything else entirely obsolete. But that's also not entirely based in reality, right? And 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 innovation sometimes just pivoting one or two degrees and making something more efficient might be the next step I'm, I'm not saying it's the solution for 2030 but it's it's a it's a next step forward to educate um people who are part of that movement who are part of that business who are part of that evolution right so what's your your reception um in uganda like like literally on on the ground where you implement um those new technologies where where the the business is happening how are people um yeah receiving it yeah yeah i I think um, it's been probably the most encouraging part of this entire business is that, um, you know, in our time here, we've seen a lot of organizations or different companies come in and want to implement a solution that's designed without really understanding the problem. You know, um, this is not a negative thing against cook, you know, efficient cook stoves, but a lot of people have tried to do efficient cook stoves and projects haven't gone as well as, suspected, you would think that, okay, you present this solution and it uses a third as much energy, like that seems like a no brainer. Um, but it's, it's difficult when you're, you know, coming in with a solution when people in their minds have been cooking this way for, you know, their grandparents and their grandparents, grandparents. And so, um, so what, how we approach this differently is that we really wanted to come in and be listening to people. We wanted to come in and hear, okay, what, like, do people recognize that trees are disappearing and do they care? Um, and it's been really cool because even in Uganda where, um, you know, we're already seeing the effects of climate change um, and a practical basis and it's an agrarian society. And so people really rely on weather patterns. And so even seeing that change that people really recognize that trees are um, both the, the cause of the problem of climate change and the solution as well. Um, so to be in that spot and just to be listening to people and be you know, around people that are really excited to plant trees and not for any other motive, but to you know, keep their future of their homes intact in, in these coming years as things continue to shift. Um, and so, yeah, on a very, you know, on a small scale farmer level, we're, um, actually just last Friday, I was uh, in this meeting in the village and we had 50 people come and basically presented uh, working with us in this model and saying, we want to provide these trees for you guys to plant on your land. We want to do that in this intercropping system so you can still do crops and those can thrive off of the trees and they can work well in this ecosystem together um, and really just laid out our entire business model with them and got to, you know, I asked them and once it was translated <laughs> into their local language, they, I was like, hey, like, are you guys interested in what we're doing? And, um, you know, all of the hands shot up. And, you know, I'm not saying that to make myself feel good, but it was, it's a very good feeling to know, like, hey, I've been, we've been working really hard on this model. Are you guys interested in doing it with us? Because we're, we're already doing this on our farm and, you know, doing this and it's working well. But are you guys interested in doing it and seeing a ton of enthusiasm? And so right now for this next year, we have um, over 600 farmers uh, that are interested in wow. implementing this model. That's and so we're really yeah. 
yeah, so it's, so it's really exciting. Um, and even on the governmental level, um, we're linked up with some pretty, um, yeah, I would say high level government officials in Uganda, and they're really excited about what we're doing too, and want to figure out ways to support our uh, initiative. And so, yeah, I just feel very honored to be a part of something that locally is, they're, they're viewing it as part of the solution too. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's been a, a really exciting year um, and a lot of fun to uh, really build this business model with mm. Ugandans in mind mm. and to help implement that as best we can. Cool. Bo, I have a question about uh, Uganda as a, as a location. Like if you were to travel back in time, like the seven or eight years when you first set foot on, um, you know, African soil there, um, what would you tell your younger self? Like, what would be one, two, or three distilled messages or lessons that you like? Now that you've done business in this country, now that you've like have friends in this country, that that you've you know started being part mm -hmm. of social innovation. What do you know now that um, might be might be interesting to hear? Yeah, that's a great great question. Uh, I would say to my twenty two year old self um, that. Long-term innovation is going to come through business. Um, that took me a few years to really realize, but um, even you know, social good nonprofits have we've seen them come and we've seen them gone. Um, but the people that have made an impact is through giving people jobs and wow, man, through, that's big yeah. actually. Yeah, and so that's you know, um, as someone who studied in engineering, and uh, to be honest, you know, kind of made fun of the business majors just because we were jealous because they didn't have school on Friday. Um, but, you know, re really recognizing how powerful business as a vehicle can be if it's done well, right? I mean, business is done poorly all over the time and, and we really want to do it well and do it with, um, you know, triple bottom line and really focusing more than what's profits. Like, how are we actually taking care of this world that we're in? So, yeah, so I guess that's only one thing. Um, other than that, I would say, plant more trees right now <laughs> and um yeah i mean you know hindsight's 2020 but it, it'd be great to get me going on this a lot earlier and just um i just think it would be a lot cooler to see where we're at in that point in time but i'll just have to be patient for a few years right and i mean the times now you know this 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 topic um, you just mentioned it briefly, like the way business is being done around the world, that there's lots of great innovation being created, but business is still being done in um, some redundant and some incomplete ways in the sense of it's, and I've talked about this lots in the show, and then I know you and I talk, talked about this when we first met and connected, like profit only or profit first is not necessarily, um, you know, a, a very smart way to do business. I mean, doing business as you just said, is a very smart way to create social innovation because it has this implicit kind of um, motivation for people to innovate and, and, and get reward. But when that is connected with a triple bottom line of people, planet and profit, a lot more becomes possible and it stays holistic and cyclical over longer, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and, it, and it truly is the thing about a well-run business is that it's sustainable and you know, if you're working off of grant funding, it's only going to go so long as the program lasts and then you leave and it often doesn't continue if, if it's not set up well. And so, um, yeah, so exactly what you're saying, just the sustainability of a business really can be a huge plus to doing things long term. Do you have any anecdotes or stories about, you know, intercultural business and like 
maybe around you know around trust or around just just even humor like things where either the ugandans are like burying their heads in their their palms and laughing about you or, or vice versa that just things that happen because life looks this way yeah sure um let me pick some good ones but you know it's really interesting and i think i you know a lot of people fall into a similar thing but as, as you start working in the developing world it's uh obviously things look way different and in america we focus you know on productivity and how to be efficient and all those sort of things and uganda is so relational you know and so um you know i think about uh this time that we so on the for my construction company we use these special bricks and I was trying to set up the system that incentivized people based on, okay, the more bricks you make in a day, like the, you know, more money you get and all this sort of stuff. And we had like a base salary that was, you know, on the lower end and then you can make commission going up. And so did all my work to set up the numbers perfectly and they made sense and, you know, gave them a reasonable target and all this sort of stuff. I did all the back work and then um, we said, okay, let's give it a try for a week. And then from there we'll, um, kind of reassess and so the after the week was up I you know showed up I was doing some things in town and I showed up a little bit late to work and thinking okay it's gonna be cool to see everyone you know making these bricks and seeing how quickly they're going and how motivated they are and then I get there and everyone's just sitting I'm like that's okay what's what's going on here and I go in and they're like like yeah well I mean that's we don't really we're not really on board with this new system and you know that's putting pressure on this and you know this doesn't work well and when we speed things up here like this and there are so many factors that I being so focused on how many bricks can we produce that I didn't really take into account all the human factors and learned a lot from that and um, but it was definitely a surprise to go and just see them sitting on the ground waiting to have this discussion about how they're not on board for it <laughs> especially because you, know, uh, you went there and came late Exactly. Yeah, I was like, yeah. like my guys are in here. Yeah, I'm like buying materials in town, and I'm like, yeah, it'll be great. I'll get there, and things will be running well. And then, you know, it's uh, yeah. So it's it's such a like, regardless of our management experience or entrepreneurial experience or life experience, like we always have to be so aware of the cultures that we're working in. Um, and that was you know pretty early on in my time here, but definitely a lesson that I've taken forward. Um, in everything that I've done is like, hey, when I think something's great, run it by someone that knows more than me and knows the culture. Do you guys also like this? And do you think that this is going to work? And have them be like, yeah, that's great. Or like, no, because of X, Y, Z. And it's really be listening on a regular basis. So. Yeah, you mentioned listening a few times. And, you know, this, this is kind of one of the characteristics, I guess, of, of a triple bottom line business as well as to listen what's actually really needed for people and planet. And then how does that integrate, right? Because making profit, this is kind of the lesson of the 20th century, making profit is not necessarily hard. You can create anything to create a profit. And it's yeah. more about when you want it to fit into society, culture, circumstances, and the planet, it, it changes, changes space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think too, just as more and more people get focused on the impact side of things too, you know, like what does this purchase do? Like, who are you working with? Like, is this, are you, the people you're working with, are you treating them ethically and all that sort of things? And 
I think especially in kind of the younger generations that we really are being more, at least more aware of that. And as we're making choices, realizing we get to make voting power with every purchase that we make. And if we're buying something from a company that's doing good, that's a small way to say we're supporting, you know, what you're doing. And, you know, even to think about uh, some of the protests going on with, you know, at Harvard and Yale and, you know, protesting to try to get them to divest from uh, oil companies, you know, like that's a small way to show as a whole that, hey, we're, we actually care where Harvard's money is being kept and let's divest away from that. And I don't want to go on that tangent, but it's, no, it's an interesting of, one. yeah, it's a lot of these small things that I think that, especially when we're looking at something like climate change, like, of course, we as one person can't do anything, you know, but how do we influence people that have more influence than what we do? And even if there were a million Kajanis, like we're not going to save the world, you know, um, as humbling as that is, it's, I'm, I'm not going to save the world. And, um, but we can influence others and we can make good decisions and um, yeah, just empower others to do some really cool things. And mm. Yeah, the example you're bringing up with universities in, let's say, the U.S., you know, and people striking or demanding, and this happens obviously right now in a lot of places in the world where people power is demanding different ways. I think it's an important step of our social evolution in the sense of like literally finding a better way than just revolution and, and you know, the, the kind of the old way of power revolution is associated with bloodshed and, and just like system downfall. But to demand change and say, look, we're actually listening, we're actually watching, we're actually paying attention. And um, we kind of have to solve this, this puzzle together. And, you know, I, I stay away from the languaging of saving the earth entirely myself, because I don't believe the earth even needs saving. Um, I would, I would just say that, you know, um, th th this planet with so many humans on it can either be run uh, like a battlefield and with a lot of pollution or we, we can create a really big party together. And for that, yeah. we've got to find out to collaborate and to innovate and, and to educate, right? And, and that's kind of where my next question is coming from. And the, the idea is around the education system. And maybe, maybe you want to bring in the, the Ugandan view or the US view, it, it, it doesn't really matter. But my question is, if you could single-handedly or with a small team change the education system, what would be some steps that you would implement? Yeah. Um. I'll say that um, my background in education is a, it's been a while since I've come out of college, but uh, I think that what college, so, so actually at the conference that we met at, um, met some people that were in college and they were there and learning and uh, my encouragement to them was, hey, it's really awesome that you guys are taking time away from school to come and get a different perspective and learn a bunch of people and meet a lot of people that, you know, whether that's studying abroad or whether that's doing a club or something that you're not used to and just getting outside of your comfort zone and learning different cultures. And, um, you know, I have a, a buddy that's doing some awesome work where he's collecting stories from Ugandan folklore and he's turning that into books for children, both in Uganda so they can have their stories illustrated and um, distributed to um, schools and libraries in Uganda, but also giving that access to students in the US so that they can see a different culture. Because um, we in the West often kind of dominate even, you know, in children's literature that they're uh, 
are so many stories about a winter in New York that exists in Uganda and people in Uganda don't really know what snow on Christmas morning looks like because it's dry season in Uganda. Um, yet that's still a dominant theme in some of these books. And so um, I think just more awareness and getting away from one storyline of, um, or even one voice of, this is you know a Western perspective and like, why don't we hear more from, and even from a Ugandan side, like why, why don't they hear more and get to read more of you know stories from their books so um, yeah it's it's an amazing project if anyone's interested Pangea publishing um, really cool stuff and so I think uh, they do a really cool job about on the education side of things of really um, giving people access to stories that they often don't hear um, if they're not going outside of their bubbles right cool yeah I think perspective you know, is a very deep topic to dive into. It's kind of like the the next level of when people use the word diversity. I think diversity and perspective go hand in hand, and mm-hmm. and it's our true gift as humanity to have so many perspectives. And, and you're right; like narratives are pretty linear. They're they're very they're very centric around the dominating cultures. Let me come back to social impact though here for a minute because um, I got curious about what you said earlier in regards to Kijani forestry and like, you know, there are official stats of like how much gets deforested in in Uganda, but I'm curious, how are you guys measuring your own impact and your own social impact? Like what are some of the key factors you guys are keeping score of or keeping track of to do both empower your own story, but also to reach goals and maybe to empower the community around you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll say right now we're kind of in this big shift of, uh, you know, we, we've been establishing what this looks like on our end of things, but as we're moving into more of the rural communities, um, that's really, we're, we're shifting a lot of our focus into the impact side of things and really working with all these rural communities, providing agroforestry trainings to people and really working with people um, and shareholder farmers uh, to help us grow our impact and help grow their wealth and their income. Um, so for the most part, we're uh, keeping it pretty simple. We, uh, some of the goals that we're setting is, uh, you know, we wanna expand their impact and their access to markets. Um, access to markets is a very important thing for farmers. So um, very high level, essentially, giving farmers uh, the ability that once they grow crops to sell them for um, a higher value than what they could get in their local trading center. Um, so whether that be for, you know, maize, for beans, uh, for timber products, things like that, um, we're designing this whole plan so that uh, we're actually looking at a 10-year timeline. Um, so over the 10-year timeline, we want to see, okay, if we're planting, you know, trees that can be uh, harvested for fuel wood or timber at, uh, you know, four years and then at six years and uh, if we do some papayas that can be ready six six months after planting, and then we have avocados at two and a half years. And so really, you know, from an ecological standpoint, but also from a income standpoint to holistically look at a whole time period and say, how can we benefit, um, you know, all these partners that we're working with um, over a long span? And so that they'll want to continue to expand the amount of trees that they're planting in partnership with us. Um, and then this is going to be 
a holistically great plan for them and their families and that they can send their kids to college with, you know, the income from this land that's going to be, you know, doing what nature does best and keep producing fruits. And if we can keep providing access to different markets and act as those markets for people um, to really just be able to uh, provide a lot of income to people. So kind of, you know, for the majority, like at this point, uh, I, I want to get more um, focused on the monitoring evaluation, but right now we're really looking at how can we raise uh, these farmers income level and to get them out of poverty and get them out of poverty uh, permanently and empower this community. Um, and then really like trees in the ground as a pretty important metric for us. We really want to be focusing on a lot of trees in the ground, especially in these areas that have been deforested and are, you know, 10% of what they used to be. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so keeping it simple for now, um, we're getting some more people on board to uh, help us uh, get those metrics up and um, figure out different ways that we can make an impact. But I think for the most part that, it, you know, that really is taking care of, you know, our partners, that's taking care of their land and that's taking care of our planet. And, you know, if we can be profitable in that and continue to expand, that would be, you know, really the goal at this point in time. Totally, totally. So what is, what are you on the, on the ground help initiatives or like calls for action um, or maybe even the, the government that, that has like an interest in more trees in the ground, like what's the, the real life situation? Like if you were to ask for support right now here, someone's listening or someone, you know, someone's listening in, in, in the ether to this conversation, like what, what would be the support that you most want or need for 2020 ahead of us? Yeah, we're, you know, we're really looking for the right partners to expand with. Um, I think that with the right partners and people that are passionate about the same things that we're passionate about, um, I think the beauty of the model that we've developed is that it's very easily adoptable to a lot of different environments, um, different countries, different cultures, um, that it really is so focused on uh, looking at the land, listening, um, listening to people, what they want, and really trying to provide this holistic model. And maybe the model in Uganda looks way different than what it does in Mozambique. Um, but if we're you know, looking to expand and looking to expand on a large scale and be extremely impactful, that we really will need the right partners to do that. And so um, you know, governmental level partners in different countries and different people that have you know, large groups of uh, you know, rural farmers that are around so anything like that would love to get in touch so um, I'm not sure we can get it get onto the website but please reach out to me I can give you my email it's uh, b-e-a-u bow at kijani forestry.com k-i-j-a-n-i-f-o-r-e-s-t-r-y um, there's probably a slicker way to do that but yeah please do reach out and um, even if it's not something that in 2020 we, we can happen you know we're, we're we want to work together with a lot of people that are passionate. So, uh, yeah. And so we're uh, totally, and we'll, we'll make sure people find you. I, you know, you've already planted like, what, like over 2 million seedlings annual, um, at this point. So that, that number is definitely going to be growing and then, and, and climbing. So there's, I, I can see how you will need so much help to, yeah, just make this, as I said earlier, like 
I mean, a big party in, in, in quotation marks, right? Like having, having fun while they grow a business like this, like bringing the education off the, the soil. The... I would also say uh, if anyone's uh, listening and has, you know, a background in agroforestry, agriculture, anything like that, you know, we're, we're, we want a team of advisors that uh, I always love I think working with smarter than me. And so uh, if anyone's listening and uh, would, would like to join as an advisor or anything like that, please do reach out as well because uh, we're very open to different concepts and working with a lot of different people. So Cool. Bo, I have, I have another two questions for you. And number one is, um, what's your Earth vision? What's your vision for this planet beyond this, this year 2020 that we're going to have a seven-generational point of view? Yeah. I would say I, I want our focus to be to be shifted so much in terms of um, really just looking. We just need to be more holistic in our thinking, you know. Um, and so I don't like I don't like to speak poorly about any like let's all like let's focus on the solutions because there are solutions that are ready, you know. And trees are an obvious one, but you know, solar technology, wind technology, like. A lot of this is gaining a lot more traction, um, but the thing is that this isn't, you know, for our future, this isn't a problem that we have no solutions for, you know, it's a lot of it can be done on a small scale. Um, and so, and I think we'll become more and more aware of that. Um, but really even like right now, we're trying to kind of fix, fix problems that we've caused. And so I think that seven generations now all actions, business plans, things like that. Um, I would really hope that we're uh, thinking about things a lot more holistically before we start them. Um, and that it's less of a climate crisis that we're in, but it's more so of a, hey, let's be really thoughtful in this product and, and this packaging and you know all these different things, crops and all, all of the, I, th I think we'll be in a much different spot in terms, of, especially agriculture is, you know, such an important part of this world, obviously, um, but it's been such an industrialized uh, methodology that we're actually realizing is not really how the earth likes to work with itself. And so, um, and so we're, we're gonna, you know, we, we are learning from that and uh, we'll continue to learn. And so as we move forward to really treat the earth as the living organism that it is and treat the soil as something that's living, not something that can just be you know, taking advantage of industrialization has gotten us so far and it's, has fed us well, but as we're degrading our soils more and more, that it, I think the next wave of, you know, where we're going in this world and agriculture and all this sort of stuff is going to be um, a lot, you know, going back to, no pun intended, our roots and <laughs> planting trees and taking care of our water systems and everything there. Last question for you, Bo, is, is around your own attitude of optimism what do you how do you stay optimistic when you know for one i mean some other people might look at the, the forestry situation in a country like uganda and just like want to start crying but but like how do you actually stay optimistic on a day-to-day -day level like what's is it just like a simple choice for you or is, it, is there more magic involved like i'd love to i'd love to hear your answer on that yeah yeah i'll say uh there are definitely times where it it gets me and it's hard to be optimistic. You know, there's so many negative articles out there that um, I've started just, I, I, I've stopped reading them because I just, 
I'm already depressed enough about things that I don't need uh, more, you know, negative influences in my life. And so, um, so that's been something I've learned this year. It's like, you know, I'm focused. I don't need more on the problem. I want to learn more about the solution. Um, and then, yeah, I think a lot of optimism has been like talking about this and having people to talk about it with. Um, and, you know, we've uh, been linked up with some different communities and, you know, my co-founder and, you know, some other friends that I get to work with that actually kind of understand the problem, but also understand uh, the maybe underlying anxiety that a lot of us feel that are kind of in this climate space of, it is this massive problem that we are facing and, you know, we want to be positive and solution oriented, but, um, but truly I would say that's to be able to talk about it with people that understand because uh, I've talked about it with people that don't understand and it's, it's a very foreign concept to be, you know, feeling depressed about climate, you know, that's 20 years ago that you sound like a crazy person. And so, um, so yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if I would even describe myself as the most optimistic person. I'm pretty stubborn. Um, and so oftentimes when I get down, my, it really helps propel me to work harder and, you know, think more creatively and um, really kind of use that stubbornness to accelerate uh, what we're doing and really think about how to do this on a larger scale. And um, I mean, even part of that has been a lot of the focus away from, uh, you know, us trying to focus on our own land and doing that on there and to really working with shareholder farmers is like, hey, how do we scale this? How do we get 100 million trees in the ground in the next few years? How do we do this in five different countries? Um, and to really just kind of use that um, that grit to just like, all right, we're going to grind this out. And how do we make this happen? We got to do it through, you know, through the shareholder farmers with the land and this is going to benefit them and, it, and they're going to actually want to do this. And we get to do this together and it's going to benefit, you know, Uganda, it's going to benefit their countries or ecosystems. And um, yeah, so just, yeah, again, maybe not the most optimistic person, but stubbornly, uh, stubbornly gritty. So with conviction. Yeah. That's an important, important value, but also a great distinction. Thank you so much for taking the time for walking us a little bit through your, your universe there. And, um, Definitely, I'll link up Kijani Forestry, and um, I can't wait to hear more about the innovation, the success you're bringing to people, and you know the trees in the ground. Because I think there's probably in the world a, a good few handful of people working on the afforestation and reforestation, and and so any and all of those stories are so they're refreshing. You know, they're they're as you said, they're people who don't need to hear more negative stories until they wait um, to take action, but who are, who are stubbornly convict, convicted that it's, it's now and we're gonna do something now. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you for taking the time as well. It's great to connect and um, truly do feel honored to be on the show with some of those other uh, guests that, have, um, that you've been able to interview. So I really do appreciate it. And yeah, I, Best of luck moving forward and please uh, excited to keep in touch and have a good feeling that our paths are going to cross in the future. And 
that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world because this is a movement and we're all part of it very much so and we're in this together we're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win i win and the entire planet wins we're raising consciousness together and you know that that's why you're listening that's why i love you so make sure to share the love hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app invite a friend to listen to green planet blue planet podcast and if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com the website to the podcast i've created a lot of different offers for you free content free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self the state of social impact in the world and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that i actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration and after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts i have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences if you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves also I work with people who are entirely new to this to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation the topic of insight evolution and revolution and if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation or if you know someone who is totally ready for that make sure to check out the website or share the website and you can also always shoot me a message on instagram i'll definitely read it and get back to you because like guys this is real life let's be in touch and let's create this together last but not least there's a few different group experiences i host both in person and online all of them are quantum learning environments and i'm happy to tell you more so simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you i'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world and with that being said wherever you are in the world make sure to be you show up all the way be all in connect with someone today make them smile have yourself a stellar day lots of love to you and until soon